Hello and welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. I'm your host, Nick Galletti. On this episode, we're going to go over a book called Preparing Tomorrow's Missionaries Today. It's written by Robert Cornelis and Taylor Halverson. These two men have put together what I consider to be a really good, concise, solid book that will help people prepare for their missions before they get to the MTC, but maybe even well before they get to the MTC. But it'll also be something that I think people could take beyond their MTC experience and beyond their mission experience. There's some really great life skills and some great principles that are taught in this book, and I felt that it was an important thing to bring on and share to our audience, who is really, that that is our target audience. So please stay tuned here now with our episode on preparing tomorrow's missionaries today with Robert Cornelis and Taylor Halverson. Our two guests on this episode are Robert Cornelis and Taylor Halverson. Taylor was a previous guest a long time ago on our podcast, so some of you might remember episode five and six, and uh, we'll remember Taylor, but uh, they have a wonderful book that pretty much is perfectly suited for our intended audience for this podcast. The book is called Preparing Tomorrow's Missionaries Today, and so we want to welcome both of you guys via Zoom meeting. So thank you guys for being here. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Dick. It's always great to chat with you. Well, let's let's first off, let's get to know Robert since we, we haven't met him just yet. And perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how your professional background brought this information to bear. Thank you, Nick. Well, uh, I own a company called Gameface Incorporated, and we are actually celebrating our 25th year here in 2020. And uh, we were originally based in the Northwest in Portland, Oregon. And then about four years, we relocated the business to, uh, uh, to Utah County. And over those 25 years, we have developed a clientele primarily, uh, but not exclusively, with the professional sports industry and intercollegiate athletics. And we work with their staff on how they can be more effective in engaging with their local communities, their fan base, as it were. And also how they can be more effective in driving revenues for their respective franchise or athletic department with that fan engagement, as well as their uh, their corporate involvement in the community. So we advise and train their executives on effective uh, techniques and strategies uh, to that end. And we also have worked with, over the years, uh, many corporate clients from all kinds of industries, from tech to manufacturing, to professional and financial services, media, retail, et cetera, uh, because the principles and the ideas that we originally introduced to the sports and entertainment world, uh, we found and our clients found are extremely transferable to really any kind of business, any kind of industry and market. And so that's uh, that's uh, a little bit about my professional background and we could talk, obviously, about the application of that background to the project here. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, you kind of allude to it a little bit in the introduction to the book. We'll certainly get into that maybe a little bit here, but we, let's, let's give Taylor a chance to explain where he comes into this picture. So, Taylor, how did you come to be a part of this project? So, Robert and I collaborate with BYU's Center for Entrepreneurship and Technology, and we are helping to train the next generation of incredible entrepreneurs. So we met a couple of years ago, and I learned about Rob's background and saw his ability to communicate and inspire. And when I learned about 
these materials that he'd put together for missionaries. And actually, he'd put them together, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And I just thought, wow, this stuff has absolutely got to get into the hands and hearts of far more people. So about two years ago, we first started talking about how do we turn all this great training material you have done for missionaries and you had trained missionaries back up in the uh, Oregon, Portland, Oregon mission, we started kind of strategizing, what would that look like? So about, about six or eight months ago, I told Rob, I knew that we had a way we could make it happen. And uh, I actually jumped the gun on him to get it done and uh, <laughs> got an editor involved and sent him what I thought was a final draft. And that I think helped motivate him to realize that we actually really can get this done in a timely manner. And we were really hopeful to get this out right here in early 2020 because we felt that missionaries would, and, and not just missionaries, but the families that are helping to prepare missionaries would benefit. And our plan was to get this ready for General Conference 2020 time period. And we got it out like two days before General Conference. <laughs> awesome. So you guys worked, you collaborated together, and but this was primarily based on on Robert's work, and I believe that you said this was back in uh, the Portland, Oregon area, that you worked with mission presidents to put together some of this material to help train missionaries to, I, I don't know, what, what would you call it? What were you training them to do? Well, about that time, uh, this is nearly 15 years ago, about that time, Preach My Gospel had just been released by the church, and missionaries were obviously just swallowing up everything they could and preach my gospel because it was so helpful and revolutionary, really. And uh, as they were devouring that, that book, and as they continue to do so today, apparently a couple of the missionaries at that time within that mission saw that what I was doing professionally, what I was doing with uh, all of these corporate clients, and they saw a great merge between my delivery and my my philosophy, if you will, of how to engage individuals, how to communicate with individuals. And they said that is so aligned with what we're learning in Preach My Gospel. And they thought that the techniques that I was using to teach those principles and ideas could be very helpful in a, in a live training session. So they had some influence on the mission president at the time who met with me, and I guess he concurred. And so he asked me if I would assist him in training the missionaries, along with those the, his uh, his uh, senior leading uh, missionaries within the mission, so that's how it began. And I felt such a responsibility to make sure that the information was uh, complementary to preach my gospel, and that it aligned perfectly with what the brethren are teaching the missionaries, uh, both in the spoken word as well as in the training within missionary training centers. That I took quite a bit of time to make sure that my ideas would not distract or detract at all from, from that. And so uh, the work apparently had such a great impact on the missionaries then that others, others were learning about it. But eventually we pulled back on it because we, we didn't want it to supersede Preach My Gospel in any way. The mission president at that time and I, we, we mutually agreed that uh, while our intent perhaps was right, we, we didn't want to encroach on others' ecclesiastical authority to teach missionaries. So when we finally came back to the idea with Taylor all these, year, all these years later, we concluded that, in fact, it's not current missionaries that we should be focusing our attention on, but it's those who are preparing to be missionaries, full-time missionaries, 
because that audience, we felt it was really, they need uh, sources of information and training so that they, when they do arrive on their missions, they are even better prepared than today. And Taylor's got that great background with curriculum development and knowing how to kind of digest information as a learner. And so this is this is, seems like a, a really good uh, a good marriage between the two of you as far as your skill sets. And so I'm excited to uh, let's get a little deeper into the material. And first off, if I may ask uh, Taylor, when you first encountered this information, what stood out to you from a curriculum point of view? What stood out to you as something that said this is this is the right material at the right time? Yeah, what I really love is Rob's ability to teach people how to do things effectively. Many of us know what the gospel is. We know the what of being a missionary, right? My job is to proclaim the truth. But the how, like the effective skills for how to do that in a way that really reaches people where they're at in a Christ-like loving way, this book and Rob's knowledge and skills really helped with that. And that, that's what I love, just very simple techniques that anyone could use to get better at communicating with others. And I've ended up using it in my own life as I try to communicate with my kids, my wife, in my work relationships. When I am trying to be in a mutually beneficial relationship, Rob's ideas help me step back and say, what are people really wanting and how do I help them achieve that? And it's almost like the Ammon principle where we go in serving people instead of just going in just to preach at people. Okay. Awesome. Now, the book is set up in two different sections. And so there's uh, section one is the principles and practices. And I'm curious on, on this, there's, there's four chapters and different things that are covered. What was your, I guess, larger, more general approach to organizing the book the way that you did? Well, I guess I'll take that. First of all, I believe that no matter one's circumstances, as a, as a missionary, whether a prospective missionary, a full-time missionary, what have you, regardless of your circumstances, your background, your knowledge, your education level, and regardless of the individual that you're talking to and their, their circumstances, if we all abide by and live through certain principles, I believe we can not only find truth, but we can also embrace truth so it improves our lives. Principles are, as we all know, universal truths. They are they're uh, they're unbending. Uh, they are they're unchanging, and that's why they're so reliable. On the other hand, practices, in other words, the uh, if you will, if you will, the techniques that we use in interacting with one another. Some of those are some of those are subconscious, and some of those are very conscious. But techniques obviously have to differ or be adjusted for the circumstance or the individual that you're interacting with. So we wanted to start the book being very clear that there are certain universal, timeless principles that all of us, regardless of our age or experience, background, etc., need to live by. And these principles are, of course, found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're found throughout Scripture, and they are reinforced by the statements and the teachings of modern-day prophets. So we focused on the principles to help the missionary, the prospective missionary, understand that these things can um, can be applied immediately right now while you're in high school or while you're graduating from high school or while you're in college preparing to serve a mission or while you're working. And then we give specific techniques or practices in the second section that you can actually apply in the mission field when interacting with people of all kinds of backgrounds. 
Yeah, and that's one of the challenges too when you're trying to create a program or text that helps individuals teach this this principle of almost like flexibility uh, given given the need to understand a world full of cultures and backgrounds and unique histories. That's a big challenge to try and teach that to someone who's not even an adult yet. You have to be simple and you guys do a wonderful job of that. Let's actually give an example of just one of those principles. We could even go with chapter one, proclaim his gospel, teaching to match our message. So what, what exact, how is this an example of what you just explained? Well, there are many things that we talk about just in the first chapter, as you say, we discuss certain principles that a missionary must live by. If you're going to be an effective missionary, not not just a, a missionary that claims good numbers, you know, that hits goals, but really one that has a lifetime impact on the people that you're working with. There's one thing that you must have that is absolutely indispensable. I mean, you could be the greatest scholar of scripture, scriptorian in the world. You could master all the seminary scriptures, if you will. But if you don't have the spirit and you're not living your life conducive to the spirit's companionship, who after all, on your mission, you can say whatever you want about your various companions. The spirit is your constant companion. The spirit is who you take with you on every transfer. And if that companion is not with you constantly uh, because you're living a life or you have ambitions that are contrary to what the spirit requires for that companionship, then none of the ideas we talk about, none of what you're going to learn either in your home missionary training center or in the, um, in the formal missionary training center are going to work. So that's just one principle that we, we really try to help the missionaries understand through various examples, both from scripture and from teachings of the prophets. In this particular situation, we have missionaries, again, throughout the world who come from different cultures and go to different cultures than they are comfortable with. And this idea that these are universal might be a little hard for some people to appreciate, but this is definitely something that I think is at the heart of the Preach My Gospel manual and your supplementary book here, that, that this is universal, really. I mean, this is something that could be applied anywhere in the world. And yet, at the same time, I'm curious how you were able to, as you were out kind of teaching these missionaries in Portland and whatever, how did they respond to this? How easily were they able to adapt to these principles that you were teaching? I'm eager to answer that question. Maybe Taylor could answer it from an outsider's point of view since he's observed this. It's fresher in his, his, in his eyes than mine. I'm, I'm a little biased, I think. <laughs> okay. I, I, I certainly have some thoughts on that question, but I'll, I'll let Taylor go first. All right. People everywhere, doesn't matter your culture, history of background, everybody seeks to have better quality time and more meaningful relationships, right? They want to have joy and happiness in their lives. Now, the way that they go about trying to achieve that, the way that they, the culture for how they describe that may be different, but ultimately that's, I think the genius of what we're trying to get across here is that the gospel answers those things. And what we try to communicate is how to do that, no matter where you are or who you're talking to, that if you step back and remember that the individual you're interacting with is a child of God who, like you, also is looking for joy, you're far more likely to be able to communicate in a way that meets their needs. And one of the examples I love that is in the book is 
most people are not sitting around saying, oh my gosh, I really wonder if there's living prophets today or boy, I really would love to read a 530-page religious book right now. And often in missionary work, we lead with, did you know there's living day prophets today? Or did you know there's this incredible book revealed called the Book of Mormon that can change your life? And by the way, both those things are true and exciting and awesome, but usually leading with that is going to distract people who really need to hear our message because they weren't that morning waking up wondering, huh, I wonder if there's modern day prophets, right? There's other things that they were thinking about. And if we begin by solving their immediate needs with the gospel, but in a means and a way that makes sense to them, they're far more likely to accept the fuller truths that we have to offer. Okay. And if I could add to that, Nick, yeah. uh, I appreciate what I appreciate the way Taylor described it, uh, which obviously we get into with quite some detail in the book. But uh, one of the things that President Dallin H. Oaks said in 2016, um, which to me was a milestone talk about missionary work, he said, what we are interested in usually isn't what others are interested in. So he said, others typically want the results of the doctrine, not the doctrine. So to, to Taylor's point, few people got up today um, wondering, you know, if there's a 500 page book available that they could read right now about religion and how to, how to find it. But they did wake up today with certain objectives, goals that they're trying to achieve, whether that's more peace and harmony in the home, whether that's a, a sense of oneness with their God or whether that is um, they want safety and security in their life in a, in a changing world. And so what is so remarkable about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that people can actually achieve what they're really looking for if they just knew that the gospel brought that to them. And so in this book, we try to help the young missionary understand that it's the first responsibility they have uh, when they are meeting an individual is to figure out what that person wants and then show them how they can achieve it or obtain it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now you're creating a connection between the missionary and the would-be investigator. And that investigator is not resisting your approach. Now they're thinking to themselves, hey, you're speaking my language. How did you know that that's, you know, internally that's what I'm thinking or longing for right now? Because everybody has things that they're hoping for and wishing for in life. The effective, successful missionary, through the workings of the Holy Spirit, can identify what those things are and then teach that individual how they can be obtained. You know, it, it, I, I have to say, and, and maybe this is not a concern for everyone, but sometimes we get very close to selling the gospel, meaning I'm, I'm a salesman and I'm putting forth some effort to try and convince people through some sort of, I don't want to use the word manipulation, but just that, that sense of, or worry that we are treating the gospel like a product that we're selling. How do we do that? How do we use your principles of trying to find what works or what the, the investigator needs without feeling like a salesman trying to find his in? I'm so glad you asked that question because that is a misconception. And I will admit, years ago, I, I possessed that misconception. I never wanted to be a salesman, you know, in my career or anything close to it. And we all know why no one really aspires to be in sales. I mean, very few people do. And there's nothing wrong with that profession. When it's done properly, it's a noble profession. 
just like missionary work. When missionary work is done properly, it's a noble pursuit and, and it's a righteous desire. And to your point, Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf also reminded us just a year ago in the general conference. He said, I remind you that God does not need you to sell the restored gospel or the church of Jesus Christ. And so what's the difference? Well, rather than talk about selling, because we don't, we talk about principles and techniques that are actually found within the scriptures. I'll give you a quick example or two. There are nearly 100 references in the scriptures about missionaries and prophets who either persuaded, influenced, or convinced. And when they did that, wonderful things happened for the, for the person who was listening or hearing. So to persuade properly, to in, influence through the help of the Holy Ghost, to convince using scripture and reason and storytelling, those are not things that we should be ashamed of. Those are not things that we should avoid. In fact, we should embrace those concepts. The question is, how can we do it in the right spirit? How can we do it using technique that will be well-received by the person that we're visiting with? And that's what we get into in the book is uh, as we apply the persuade, influence, and convincing attitude, but we do it hopefully in a righteous way, the way our heroes in the Book of Mormon and in the New Testament have done it. One of the things that strikes me about the book, and, and this is right off the bat, is that it does seek to keep missionary work from being a transactional type work, where it's about me teaching you and you giving me this in return, and then we eventually get you to baptism. There's a lot of talk in the book about building relationships of trust and coming to know the message that they need to hear so that the Spirit is able to reach them. And there is, I think, a sense that that helps curtail the sense that, oh, here's your skill set that you need to go out and get good numbers. The book itself it's very clear in wanting to preach the message of relationships as a form of missionary work. So let's kind of take that as transition to section two of the book. These are the seven skills of a successful missionary. And uh, the first skill is knowing how to build trust. The others are assessing for understanding, presenting a tailored message, proper listening to resolve concerns, opening the gate to the covenant path, connecting through referrals, and fellowshipping effectively. These are all really great skills, and, and frankly, those are things that we need to build long after our full-time missions as well. But in this particular case, knowing how to build trust, that's, um, that's a seems like a lot to do with strangers. So how does one go about building trust with strangers? Well, again, another fair and, and appropriate question, uh, so I appreciate that, Nick. First of all, the, uh, the idea that trust would be the first skill is very intentional because none of those other skills can actually take place if the investigator or the person on the street that you're meeting on the corner or even before your mission, uh, your friend in school or the person that you work with when you're uh, doing a service project uh, on behalf of the community, these people, they may not learn to trust you immediately so much so that they want you to, you know, house sit for them when they're on vacation or walk their dog every day for them. But it's how can you gain a level of trust so that they will allow you to continue through this process of conversion? So they can, uh, they'll permit you to be a part of this very private and personal matter called spirituality. 
So there are certain things we can do to break that trust immediately so that we do come across, frankly, as a salesman of, a, of the gospel or a peddler of the church. And some of those things are simply in the words that we use when we approach individuals on the street or when we knock on a door or when we call a referral. So if we use the wrong words, it's going to come across as though we're very self-serving as opposed to serving them. Uh, one, one quick example. Hi, I'm, I, I just wanted to tell you today about the restoration of, of Christ church. To say I just, first of all, just the word I just, that word implies that there's not much more to it. Right, it's very minimal standard. Exactly. I'm minimizing my message just by using the word just. And I'm also suggesting this isn't going to take very long. Are you kidding? The, the conversion to Christ is a lifetime experience. It's not just one door approach. Yeah. And the word tell, we want to tell you about. That's, a word, that's, a, that's what I would call a stiff arm word. It means don't get close. Let me just do what I'm about to do. I've worked really hard on this presentation. I've worked hard on my door approach. Don't interrupt (laughs) me. We practiced it this morning in our comp study. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So it's little things like that. It's how do you turn that approach into one that people will receive more readily and at least break down the barriers so they may not, as I say, they may not trust you so they want you to marry their firstborn, but they trust you enough to permit you to continue or to invite you into their home. And that's when the relationship unfolds through those other six skills. That is a really, I feel like sometimes it, depending on where you're at in the world, some people are more open to that trust than others. I know European missions have a, a history of having difficulty being trustworthy right off the bat like that. It, it, it takes time. And I think one of the things that might be an underlying principle, although not one of its own chapter is, is the need to be patient in this process of not only developing these skills, but in letting them unfold amongst the people that you're serving. Nobody is likely to come to the door ready for baptism. So there is time and it takes steps to get people prepared and that there's no set time frame in which that's supposed to take place. So that's part of it. And if I may, Nick, it's just like, how patient is the Savior with all of us? He doesn't expect our perfection. And yet, for many of us, we've been in the gospel and the church our entire lives, and we're still improving. We're still making incremental changes and adjustments so we can be more like he wants us to be. So we as missionaries have to bring that same Christ-like attitude and expectation to the mission field. And there's really some great things that I kind of wish I had had when I was on my mission, um, one of them in particular being skill number four about proper listening to resolve concerns. That's that's something that will never go away. Every relationship in life will have its concerns and struggles that you need to work through. And so this is not just skills, again, to, to learn on your mission, but these are skills that apply in many other ways in your life. And so this, this book has tremendous resources in that regard. There is a lot, I would say, that focuses on missionary techniques, teaching techniques, when you actually get a, someone to teach. There doesn't seem to be as much about how to get people to teach, except for skill six, connecting through referrals. So that, in a sense, is working with members, but it's, it's a little bit of finding. So let's maybe speak for a moment to the topic of finding people to teach. Where, in what ways does your book address that issue? 
Well, certainly we do not take away from the mission president's prerogative as far as identifying the most effective ways of contacting within their mission. For some, as, as we all know, it's, it's entirely street contacting. There is no knocking on people's doors. In other missions, it is a lot of going door to door. In others, it is a, a total reliance on, on referrals. So uh, without, of course, dictating which approach a missionary should use, because that's not up to us, we try to provide ideas and even some techniques regardless of which prerogative the mission president has. But let's go to street contacting or door to door, for example. What we do is we walk the reader through an exercise to help them begin to better realize the daily results, as we call it, that every person, every mom, every dad, every single person, every retiree, every student is looking for, as I say, daily. And it's not just one. It's a whole long list of things that people are striving for each day. And we help the missionary and the prospective missionary through this exercise identify what those are so that they can use those somewhat by, you know, they're, they're using them a little bit by conjecture. Like, I think this is what this person is probably looking for because of their circumstance, because of their age, because of their marital status, et cetera. And so I am going to lead with that particular result. And in an opening statement, if you will, I'm going to share with that individual how that re- result can be achieved through a conversation with us. Now, not entirely, it's not going to be one conversation, but it will be enough to pique interest. It'll be enough to prick their hearts. And hopefully with the Spirit's Spirit's assistance, it'll be enough to touch them and prompt them to listen more and to engage with us more. So that approach of finding the result and then articulating it, uh, as we say, is applicable in any type of environment. To the person that is preparing to serve their mission, at what point do you feel the audience is ready to start reading your book? Well, some would argue, and those who have, have begun to, to read it and those who have, are familiar with these ideas say that they ought to be teaching their kids you know, in their early teen years. Ideally, it's written for the parents who have children 16, 17, 18 years old preparing for that, for that day of being called on a mission. You know, one of the things that we talk about in the book, in fact, it's on the back cover of the book, is what Elder Bednar taught in 2019, which is that the ultimate missionary training center is in the home. And with our new home-centered, church-supported curriculum of Come, Follow Me, and all of the emphasis on doing the preparation in the home, uh, as Taylor said at the outset of this podcast, we, we are, are fortunate that we don't think there's a better time right now for families to take hold of this information and allow it to supplement their own teachings of their kids. We're also hearing from adults, of course, that they're finding some value in it. And you said a moment ago, there are some things here I wish I would have known when I was a missionary. That's probably the most common comment that we hear from adults. This feels, the more I talk to you about it, this feels more like this isn't necessarily for the preparing to go missionary, but for the parents of, almost like this is the preach my gospel for home MTC. You know, truth is truth. Principles are principles. And all we're doing through this book of preparing tomorrow's missionaries today 
is we're trying to bring to light truth that's already been revealed that maybe some of us have missed or that we haven't seen how it applies to actually the gathering of Israel, whether as an adult or as a teen. So yes, I, I think there is, just like I can learn from the primary hymn book, the song book, I think parents uh, can certainly gather some things from this that can help them in, in being a better member missionary. Yeah, we realize that families and parents are anxious to do their part in helping their uh, members of the family have the gospel sink deep into their hearts. In some ways, this is our offering to support families in that effort. I think all of us could acknowledge that a missionary training center, as incredible as those experiences are, it'd be valuable for any of us to get to those experiences with some pre-training that has happened in the home. And our hope is that what we've put into this book will be one of the many resources that people have available to succeed in their in their efforts to bless their families' lives and to get them ready for the next stages of their lives uh, in the gospel. Awesome. Where can people go to find a copy of this book? Currently, the book is available on Amazon. You'd simply have to search Preparing Tomorrow's Missionaries Today. Uh, eventually, this will be in Deseret Book. We have recorded this on a day when the COVID crisis is still going on. And Deseret Book has currently, they're not accepting new books to put in the stores, mostly because uh, not as many people are going to the stores. But eventually, people will be able to find this at Deseret Book as well. Okay. So go to Amazon, and we can put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. And I guess as it as it sits, you guys are both returned missionaries. And you have had experiences in, in actually being in the field. How do you feel that your own personal missionary experience helped influence what, you are, what you've written in the book? Well, let me speak to that briefly, and then I'll let Rob speak. As I worked with Rob on this and reviewed all these really timely insights, and I looked back on my own mission, I realized the times when I had the best relationships and felt the closest to Jesus and to the people I was working with was when I was applying these principles. Now, obviously, Rob's book was not in my hand when I was a missionary many years ago, but the times of my mission where I struggled were when I was thinking more about myself and my own needs and my own interests versus trying to meet the needs of the people I was serving. And so as I was working on this project with Rob, it simply reinforced to me that these principles we're teaching are true. And as people are empowered to be more like Christ, more like Ammon was in the Book of Mormon, they will have the kind of missions that we all aspire to have where we feel that we love the people that we work with and we've been transformed into real Christians. I really appreciate what Taylor is saying, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. He really uh, said what I wish I, I could have said, and that is that if I would have taken a, a greater interest in the lives of those people that I was attempting to bring the gospel to and not worry so much about um, how I was coming across or my own you know, ability to hit certain numbers and things like that, I think I would have been much more effective and, and a happier missionary. I would have been a better companion. I would have been a, a more reliable missionary to my mission president. Not that I wasn't those things. I hope I was those things, but I think it just would have been enhanced if I would have known then what I know now. And if I would have had a resource such as this, uh, I would have been so much more prepared to speak the language of the Lord 
which is a term that we talk about in the book. What is the language of the Lord? If Jesus Christ were teaching this person, if he were approaching this person, if he was preparing them for baptism, if he was fellowshipping them, and fellowshipping is really just an extension of ministering, of course, uh, if he were doing all the things that missionaries are asked to do, um, how would he have interacted with this individual? And through our, our work here, we are trying to make a contribution to help young missionaries and, yes, even their families understand that your Christ-like desire can be met and achieved if there are certain principles and practices that you will adhere to. And lastly, I would say, Nick, that one of the things we try to bring out throughout the book is not only the teachings of modern-day prophets, which are extremely helpful and necessary, but we also try to emulate the wonderful missionaries and prophets found in the scriptures. We dig into their approach. And uh, Taylor mentioned Ammon. So what was it that made Ammon so effective? Uh, what made Alma so effective that he could actually begin the church? Why was Abinadi so persuasive? Uh, why was Paul so effective as an influencer? And if modern day missionaries can learn those same attributes and traits, we're confident that we'll expedite the gathering. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on and talking about this book called Preparing Tomorrow's Missionaries Today. Um, again, perfect book for our audience. It's exactly who we are trying to reach as well. So thank you guys for coming on and talking about it. And we'll, again, post links so that you can pick up your copy of this book today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. Hope you can take the time to go out and check out this book, Preparing Tomorrow's Missionaries Today. The book is available on Amazon, and the link to that listing will be available on the posting for this episode at ldsmissioncast.com. Please stay subscribed to this podcast through iTunes, through Stitcher, or Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to us or to leave us a review on iTunes and let us know how we're doing. Thanks for listening to the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast.